Hello, welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Now friends, uh, I've got to say I'm very excited about today. I've got a buddy who I'm going to invite out on stage in a minute and uh, I would ask if when he does you guys can give him a, a big warm North Coast Calvary round of you know, welcome, however you want to do that. You can do a dance or something but definitely clap. So let, let me just tell you, this guy is Lottie as in L-O-T-T-Y. Not Lardy, how you guys pronounce it, but Lottie, okay, just squaring that away. He's a very dear friend of mine, and he and his wife, C, who's here in the front row, they have just become the senior pastors of the church that, in fact, we came from in Australia before we came here, right? Literally last week. And then we invited them to Guatemala, where we were uh, this week, uh, to a conference, and then I said, mate, why don't you come on through come on here. And I asked Mark, I said, Chief, what do you reckon? He said, yeah, let's do it. Let's get him. So he's going to be preaching today, right? So I want to say, I want to actually do something a little odd though. I want to apologise to the few front rows uh, folks here because he doesn't smell that good, okay? (laughs) The rest of you, it doesn't matter. You need to know that Aussies, when we make fun of each other, it's an expression of love, Um, but he actually really does smell bad. So I apologise about that. But all of the rest of us are going to be very blessed. Lottie, why don't you come out here, mate? That's enough of me. I should just get off stage. (laughs) You know, the the truth is, he who ends with the mic always wins, all right? So I'm going to skedaddle off stage and then, yeah, yeah. Okay, come here. Well, Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you that we can have Lottie here with us. Lord, thank you for the message, this powerful message. I ask that we would strap in our seatbelts, Lord Jesus, that we'd have our ears attuned to you, our hearts ready, cultivated for the message that you want to plant there. Mm-hmm. Father, I love this man. I trust this man with my very life, Lord, and I, I just want to impart that so my brothers and sisters here at my church can know that. Mm-hmm. Lord, this is a trustworthy man with a message from you. So, Father, bless him as he blesses us. We thank uh, you for him. We thank you that we can be here today listening to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? That's great. Thank you so much for having us here. We are so blessed. Uh, I just want to say on behalf of my wife and I, and uh, this is my wife, C. Maybe you can just quickly stand up so everyone can see you. This is C. We've been married for 18 years. We've got four little people, uh, Oscar, Perry, Coco and Nixon. Uh, They are 15, 13, 12 and 8. I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, this guy does not look old enough to have a 15-year-old. That's right, we got married when we were 12. And so I think what Nick was trying to uh, say there was that, you know, he who has the mic has the last say. And so I'm really grateful for the introduction that he gave me. And I'm more grateful that he handed me the microphone. See, being from Australia, I thought, look, there's so many things that are culturally different about our nations. We align in so many areas, but we're different in areas. And, and so I thought, oh, I, should, I need to bring some kind of Australian humour. But then I thought, well, there's no point. You guys have got Nick Gilmore in your church. You guys have got the greatest Australian joke I could ever tell. (laughs) Now, some people are going, oh no, you don't realise what I just said then to an Australian audience was, I love this man more than you could ever know. 
What you might have heard was something else, but that, that's the code we're trying to educate you in. That's the culture. Beware of the Australian who is only ever being polite to you. Smile, people. <laughs> I want to say a great big thank you as I was leading into that to say for the hospitality uh, you guys as a church have shown us. You might say, well, this is the first time we're seeing you, but on your team and your pastors and uh, Frank and Jan who are sitting somewhere down here in the middle, uh, you, you, we've been staying with those guys and they have represented you uh, to C&I with just such honour and blessing. And so on, and also obviously your senior pastors, uh, we just really want to thank you all for the way that you have honoured us and loved on us while we've been here for a couple of days. And uh, we're going home with uh, great stories to tell about uh, this church that you guys are a part of. So why don't you put your hands together and thank your pastors and your team that are representing you. I'm thrilled this morning to be sharing the Word. I'm going to be speaking on a subject that you guys are so familiar with. It's the subject of faith. You know, faith is one of those things that you hear spoken about so often that sometimes you can just settle back in and go, oh yeah, I've heard this one. But you know, faith to me almost at times seems like a paradox, like an oxymoron. Something that reverses back on itself and doesn't quite make sense. See, faith is something that I would say is shown in the way I believe for something. Would you agree? My faith is shown in the way I believe for something. But you know what? What about when that something that I'm believing for doesn't come out the way that I hoped it would? My faith isn't just shown in the way I pray for something and believe for something. My faith is also shown in the way I respond when that something doesn't go the way I hoped it would. You see, faith at times seems like this whimsical thing, like a, like a, a, a gust of wind blowing through that we try and grasp onto and we can't quite. Today, I would like to bring a word to you around faith that, is the, that will see you walking out of these doors with an understanding of faith that is more solid in your world than anything else that you have. I hope today that when you walk out of this auditorium that you'll be walking out with an understanding of faith that you can not just hope for, believe for and dream for, but you can live with on your day to day. Because you know what? It's great that we can come together on a Sunday, but who knows that the life that we've been called to live starts on Monday. I love team sport. Anything where there is people competing, I want to be a part of it. And in Australia, the game that we play is a game called Aussie Rules. You ever heard of this game? Okay, you guys would just think this is the craziest game ever. There's 18 guys on each team on an oval and you're not allowed to run with the ball more than 15 steps and then you have to bounce it and you have to kick it and you have to get it through these goals in the middle. But if you miss the goals... Then there's a little extra goal on the side. You get it through the middle, you get six points. If you get it through the side, you get one point. It's like a little pat on the back. Good on you, buddy. <laughs> In that game, the thing that I love about it is that, you know, players will rock up to the dressing sheds. I don't know if you call that the same thing, the change rooms. We'll rock up to the locker room, I think you call it. And we'll all rock up wearing a different set of clothing that's representative of maybe the life that we live. But the thing that I love about the locker room is that before we walk out onto the field, we all take off what makes us different and we all put on what makes us the same. 
And in that locker room, the coach gives the rev up speech, the captain gives the pep talk, and then we walk out onto the field as, as one. This is the thing that you need to know about the team sport that you might be aligning this analogy to, and that is that no one plays a team sport so that they can stay in the locker room. We start in the locker room, but the thing that we've come together on doesn't exist within the walls of these buildings. The thing that we're, who we're worshipping today is Jesus Christ, but we're doing this not so that we can stay in this auditorium, but so that on Monday we can take it to wherever we are participating in this life. That might be in a, in a high school, if you're a student or in a university or in a workplace, whatever that may be. So today we're going to talk about living the life of faith that can be seen not just on a Sunday but on the Monday. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We're going to start in the book of Hebrews this morning and continue through this chapter a little bit. It's one of my most favourite in the whole New Testament. And it starts by saying this. I'm reading from the New Living Translation mostly today. I've just got a couple little verses that I've thrown in from the Passion Translation. And these are all on the screen and uh, in your handouts there. And this is what it says. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. Now, listen to this line. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Or in other words, can I say it like this? How we live today is proof of what we know to be true tomorrow. Has anyone here got a vacation that you've already got booked in that you're looking forward to? Where are you going? Going to Hawaii. When are you going? Can you take me with you? Anyone else got a holiday? That where are you guys going? To Europe at Christmas time. Where particularly? Which country? <laughs> Hungary and Austria and all of those beautiful places that I would also like to go. Anyone else got a, ho- a vacation? See, in Australia, we don't use the term vacation. We talk about going on holidays. I realise that's something different for you. Yeah, where are you going? Oh, going to Disney World. Another place that I really want to go. You see, this is the thing about having a vacation that is ahead of you. When you've got something booked in, in your future, that you're really looking forward to, in your mind, it becomes like a destination. It actually becomes something that somehow energises you for today because you know it's in your future. When my wife and I, we uh, went on a family vacation in 2016 where we took our uh, children out of school for three months and we went on one big, great long, it's called long service leave where you work for a period of time then you take three months off. And we went overseas to Thailand. We went overseas to New Zealand. We travelled around. Australia is a big nation and we travelled around places we'd never been before. And it was one of the most incredible times together as a family. But you know, in the lead up, to that vacation, we also had one of the most challenging seasons of our family. The, the time where we started that vacation also aligned with a time where we finished a season of church planting, where we moved from our hometown to a small country town in New South Wales called Moree, a town of 8,000 people, a small country town, and we planted a church there. 
And in that community, we just bonded with the people. As you have bonded with your leaders and with each other, we became family with the people. So when we were telling them that we were leaving or a season had finished and we were moving on to something God had called us to, it was one of those great big emotional challenges. Not to mention all the things that we were responsible for and packing up our house and all our belongings and moving them 450 kilometres, which I suppose is about 250 miles across, uh, across Australia to get to where we were living next. And anyone here that has ever done a big life change, you know it's not just a physical toll, there is an emotional toll that comes with it as well. But you know what? During that whole time, that challenging season, I just remember thinking this, just one more week, just one more month, just three more months, and then I've got the best vacation that I could ever have. It literally energised our souls knowing that we had something ahead of us that we were looking forward to. The question that I have for you this morning is a very important one and it's this, what is the destination that you are looking forward to? And most importantly, can you see it? And friends, this morning, I'm not talking about a three-month vacation that when you get back from, you feel like you need another one. (laughs) I'm not talking about the vacation that you can look forward to, but once it's happened, it becomes a very quick, distant memory. I'm talking about something of a destination that can energise your soul every day of your life. I'm talking about a destination that we can point our life towards, the kind of destination that causes us to live a certain way before we even get there. Friends, what I'm talking about this morning isn't actually a new concept. In fact, living according to our destination is just another way of describing a theme that runs right throughout the Word of God. It's a theme that is revealed again and again in God's connection with man. See, living according to a destination is just another way of saying living by faith. Right throughout the Old Testament, we actually read about the prophets and those that God had given special insight to. These men and women who lived according to the destination they were called to rather than the location that they found themselves in. Jesus brings this up in the book of Matthew when speaking about the men and women who had been before. And in Matthew 13 verse 17, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see. They looked forward to the coming of Jesus, even though so many lived their lives without ever getting to experience that. Yet, friends, let me tell you, there is great power. There is great power in fixing your eyes on what you can see in the future that you know is coming, as opposed to living today in what you're experiencing. Again, Jesus brings this up in John chapter 8. He's talking about who we would call the father of faith and that's Abraham. And in John 8, 56, Jesus says this about him. He says, Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. You know what I love about this passage? I love that it doesn't say Abraham dreamt for it. I love that it doesn't say Abraham hoped for it. I love that it doesn't even say Abraham believed for it. Because you know what? We live in a world where whether you know Jesus or not, you're hoping, believing and dreaming for something in the future. Am I right? 
You don't have to be a Christ follower to hope for something in the future. In fact, everyone lives that way. But I wonder how many people on this earth can live according to what they can see. Abraham, the Bible says, saw what was coming. He welcomed it and he was glad. What he could see in the future caused him to live today before it had even happened. Hebrews chapter 11 goes on to talk about some more amazing people, giants of the faith. And then in verse 13, it says this, All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and they welcomed it. What you can see in the future causes you to live a certain way today. Or for these people, what they could see in the future caused them to live if, as if it was already their reality. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 is in your notes there. And this wraps up this thought quite succinctly as it says this. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Man, faith sometimes just sounds like a paradox, like an oxymoron. We fix our, see, sometimes we just read these passages and we keep on reading because we know them. But when you stop and really ponder and pause on this, this does not make sense. How do you fix your eyes, which is the things that are the lenses that allow you to see something? How do you fix your eyes on something that is unseen? Come on, let's be human today and be honest. This scripture is saying this, it's saying something so deep that will change the way we live on Monday. It says, no, we don't fix our eyes on what is seen. We fix our eyes on what is unseen for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. If you're writing down notes, jot down this thought. Faith is a natural response to the confidence that we have in our eternal destination. Faith is living according to the destination that I know rather than the path to get there, which I don't know. What are you fixing your eyes on? What is determining the way you live today? Is it the unseen that you don't know? Or sorry, the unseen that you know? Or is it the seen that you don't know? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 10 says about Abraham, his eyes of faith were fixed or were set on the city with unshakable foundations whose architect is God himself. Friends, if you're writing down notes, write this down. We are called to be people who live according to the eternal destination, not our current location. Living to our, according to our current location means that I have joy when things are going great. It means I give generously when I've got plenty. It means I worship wholeheartedly when God is coming through. It means I serve with passion when things are going the way I hope they would. But what about when life takes us to the other end of the spectrum? How do we respond when we're experiencing a season of lack? How do we respond where we feel like we're experiencing a season of failure? If my response 
to a season of lack or a season of failure is reflected in my behaviour, then friends, I tell you what, that means I'm living according to my current location, not my eternal destination. Can you see it today? Can you see the eternal destination that Christ has called you to? Let me use an analogy here this morning that will cause some great pain for some people here this morning and some great excitement. Do we have any New England, New England Patriot fans with us today? Mm, they're hiding. Yeah, they're in hiding. Mm, mm. A few raise their hand. We will pray for you later. God can do wonderful things. In 2017, the Patriots were in yet another Super Bowl. And this was actually, whether you like the Patriots or not, this particular Super Bowl was, is one that will be remembered for the ages. It's a game where the Patriots leading into the fourth quarter were down by 19 points. And as that quarter went on, it just seemed like the end result of that game was not going to go in their favour. And so those that were fans of this team would have been watching this game sitting on the edge of their seat. And I guarantee that there would be moments where their heads would have been in their hands thinking, what are we doing? We're never going to win this. Now, for me, I love this, this game. I love gridiron. I love American football. But during the month of February is a month where my wife and I, we're on a, on a fast during that season. And so I, that's a time of the year where I'm not watching any sport at all. So I didn't get to watch the game. I just heard the score later that day. I knew that the Patriots had won and good on them and, and I heard it was a close game and that's fantastic, but I didn't know how the game went. I only knew the end result. March came around and I got to watch the game. I was watching a replay. Now, I'm sitting there watching the game and from the start to the finish, I already knew what the end result was. And there was moments when the Patriots made horrible mistakes. There was moments where the Patriots got so far behind. But you know what? I didn't, I didn't feel one bit of tension the whole game. <laughs> I didn't ride the highs and lows of the emotional roller coaster that a game of sport is when your team goes behind. And I was thinking about what it would have been like for a Patriots fan watching this game live, thinking it's all over. But I was just sitting back with my arms folded. I walked out of the room when I felt like it. I didn't care what I missed. Friends, when you know the end destination, what happens on the way there is a lot less relevant. When you know how the game ends, what happens on the way to the end doesn't seem to affect you quite the way it affects others. Because I was sitting there watching this Patriots game and you know what, if I was watching it live, I might have been sitting there with tension and anxiety. But because I knew the end result, I was watching with excitement. Because I knew that there was a comeback on the way. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I didn't know when it was going to happen. But because I knew the end result, I knew it was going to happen. And friends, you need to know today that there is an eternal destination that God has called you to. A destination that is more solid and secure than anything you will ever know on this, in this lifetime. And because we are people that know the end destination, because we are people that know that we are victorious in the end, we are able to watch the game play out without knowing exactly how it plays out. You know what the issue is with us as humans? Even though we know the end result, 
we still want to know how we get there. Even though we know that we're ultimately victorious in all things, we have a destination that is unshakable, even though we know that, we still want to know what happens in the middle. Friends, the middle is what we call living by faith. It's not a faith that base, that's based on what's happening today because we don't know what's happening today. It's a faith that's based on eternity and we know what's happening in eternity. This is the challenge that all of us will face. Are we going to live according to the end result that we know or are we going to live according to the middle that we don't know? Who's responsible for your middle? The reality is that you and I are not responsible for the middle. Our responsibility is to follow the one who is. His name's Jesus Christ. My response to this life that I'm living isn't determined by the middle that I don't know. Rather, it's determined by the destination that I do know. Not one of us in this room knows what's going to take place tomorrow. So if I'm living according to a hope that I have tomorrow, I'm living according to the unknown. But if I know what my destination is and I can see it, then I can live according to it today. Friends, do you know your eternal destination? If you know it and you can see it, then you can live according to it before you ever get there. Now, some of you might be sitting there this morning and You might feel like your current location is one that carries such a weight and a burden that you simply can't see the destination that God has for you. If that's the way that you feel today, then I can, in some way, I can resonate with that because I can still hear the sound of my mother's voice as a young boy growing up in my home when I'd stepped outside the boundaries that were acceptable and my mum's words still ring in my ears when she says the words, your father's going to sort this out when he gets home. (laughs) I don't know if more tragic words have ever been spoken over a young man's life. (laughs) The way you've responded to that tells me that you know what that code means, your father's going to sort this out when he gets home means he's going to take his big old boots and lodge it neatly on your backside. You know the thing about those words, your father's going to sort this out when you get home? The amount of pain that causes is determined by the time in the morning that your, your uh, misdemeanour, what you did outside of the boundaries, when your mum spoke those words and the time until your dad got home. That was the gauge of the pain because this is the, those words that were spoken. They meant that no matter what happened for the rest of the day, no matter what distraction took place, no matter what exciting thing took place, you'd distract yourself doing something else and then just your, your mind would bring it back. Dad's going to sort this out when he gets home. You just couldn't enjoy life. You couldn't live, you know, socially with your friends because you had this weight in the back of your mind. I've got something that's waiting for me in the future that I don't want to be a part of. And some of you are experiencing that in life right now. 
You're experiencing a weight and a burden from what you can see in your future that you are just saying, I just don't, I can't see what God has for me. I can't see the destination because of this thing. Well, I got good news for you this morning and that is what Jesus Christ came to do for each one of us is meet each one of us in that space where it feels like we're carrying the great weight or the great burden of what tomorrow might look like. And he came to meet us right in this place. In fact, he talks about it in Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus is nearing the moment where he's actually going to die in the human sense. He's going to go ahead with what he's been put on this earth to do. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 50, Jesus actually says these words, I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me and I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Friends, you need to know that whatever weight and burden you're carrying about your future today, Jesus Christ knows exactly what that feels like. But the great news that I have for you is that Jesus Christ doesn't just come alongside us to say, hey, I know what it feels like. Jesus Christ actually decided to come and take that weight and burden upon Himself. Let me show it to you like this. Let's say that living a healthy life is here and living a burden life starts to go deeper. And you might be here this morning and you might be living in some kind of hurt or some kind of anxiety or depression or pain that just feels like life is going deeper and deeper and deeper. Friends, the good news that I have for you this morning is that no matter where you are on this scale, you need to know that Jesus Christ went deeper. You need to know that no matter where you are or how you feel about your tomorrow, Jesus Christ carried a weight and a burden that you and I will never have to know. He went so deep into the weight of burden into a place called death, but the great news is is that He didn't stay dead. Wherever you are today, Jesus has been deeper. Why is that significant for you? Because He didn't stay dead, which means if He went deeper than you, it means He can raise you up just as He was raised up. If you went deeper than Christ, then I I don't know. That means that you are outside of the realm of of the great victory that He's won. But the Bible tells us that no one ever has. He went the deepest anyone ever would so that we could all be raised to victory just as He was. That's great news for every single one of us in this room today. There is no weight or burden that we will ever carry that's deeper than what Christ carried for us. Friends, I ask you this morning, can you see it? Can you see the destination that's ahead? You know, here's the thing about a a destination. Before you can know where you're going, you have to be aware of where you are. There is no point looking at a map that includes your destination unless your map also includes your current location. I don't know what it's like here in the the States, but in Australia, in some of the shopping centres and some of the big venues, they'll have these venue maps up like this. And it'll have all the shops and all the different areas on it. But there's one key piece of information that that map includes, and that's a little red dot. And next to that little red dot is the three important words. You are here. 
I was at this conference one time and I was in a, they had the big stadium and then all the other little venues around it and we had to move around to different venues as the conference went on. And there was one of these maps and I didn't know where I was going. Geography is my least thing. If we're talking about levels, I reckon I went as deep as could possibly go when it comes to geography. I don't know, but I was like, I found the map. And you can imagine my frustration when I was looking at the map and I could see where everything was, but they had no little red dot that said, you are here. (laughs) I tell you what, it was more frustrating having the map there because I could see where I wanted to go on it, but I had no idea how to get there because it didn't tell me where I was now. And friends, if we're going to be people that live on Monday according to the eternal destination that Christ has called us to, then you and I, we also need to be willing to acknowledge where our current location is. You know, the most interesting thing about knowing your current location takes us all the way back into the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve are living in the freedom that God has put them in the garden and it's such a wonderful environment and then that tragic day comes when they take the the fruit that they were instructed not to and the Bible literally says that on that day sin entered the heart of man, death entered the heart of man and the result of that for Adam was to run from the presence of God and to hide himself from God. And so God comes into the garden, the Bible says, as He normally would to engage with Adam, to be in relationship with Adam. But Adam's not where he's supposed to be. Adam's somewhere else. And so the first question that God asked of all humanity, not just to Adam in a garden, but to us as well. The very first question that God asks is, Adam, where are you? This isn't just a question for a man that lived thousands of years ago that took a piece of fruit that he shouldn't have. This is a question for every single person that's alive on this earth and it's the number one question that God asks of us. Hey, where are you? Where are you? Now you might read that and go, as a child, you might read that and go, wow, it's like God and Adam playing a game of hide and go seek and Adam is really dominating. Has he found a space in the garden that God didn't know about? Friends, God knows exactly where you are, just like He knew where Adam was. But God wants you to know where you are. God asks the question of each of us, where are you? Adam comes out from behind the space that he was hiding, all covered up with a makeshift version of grace. And God says to Adam, Adam says to God, he says, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Two things that we're going to just finish off. And if my my brother on the keys could come and join me for this last moment as we bring this into land. God says, where are you? Adam comes out and he says, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. You know, in life, we have default positions. To give you an understanding of what a default position is, when you turn the engine on in your car or you press the little button that makes it start, your engine ignites. Your means your engine is fully running with the capacity to do that it was with what it was made to do. It's ready to go. But just because you start the engine doesn't mean that the car will go. You actually have to take another step and that is to put your foot on the accelerator or put your foot on the gas. 
The default position of your vehicle is to remain in idle until you make a conscious decision to move it. And the default position that your heart will have without Jesus Christ is a default position of, I was afraid, so I hid. I love the next response from God. God says these words, Who told you that? The Bible says that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Anything that you hear and you live according to that's not of the Word of God, God's asking you the question, who told you that? Who told you that it was the best way to live, to live according to your current location today? Who told you that? Who told you that you are in a state of lack? Who told you that you're in a state of depression? Who told you that you're in a place of anxiety? Who told you that? This is what God's interested in this morning. He's interested in your default position and who is having the authority to speak over it. Friends, my prayer for you this morning is that as we land this time together, that each one of us would not be people that live according to our current location of which we have no clear understanding, but according to our eternal destination of which we know is not related or based on us, but is based on God Himself. So friend, here's the question. Where are you? Where are you today? Where is your joy? Where is your generosity? Maybe the team can come and join me if they're still with us. Maybe they went for an early coffee. I mean, I can't blame them. Maybe they could bring us all back one. Maybe we should just stretch our hands out in prayer for a moment. I got faith to believe. Maybe the raptures happen and they've gone. What are we still doing here? Hey! Wow. God is so good, hey? Come on. I was worried for a second there. And there it is. Welcome, guys. Welcome. I thought I was going to have to do this bit at the end. All these people would have been in tears. I would have thought it was a move of the Spirit, but it would have... As we land this service this morning, let's just walk out of these doors with a fresh understanding of what it means to live by faith. Faith isn't based on a hope. Faith isn't based on a dream. Faith isn't based on even what we can believe for. Faith is based on something that is so much more solid than that. Faith is based on an eternal destination that the Word of God says is unshakable beyond anything else. I often ask people the question, what's your most important role in life? Just think about that for a moment. What's your most important role? 
people say, well, my most important role or responsibility is another word of saying it, is to be the father to my children or the spouse, the husband to my wife or the wife to my husband. For someone who's not in that stage of life, they'll say, well, my most important responsibility is to fulfil and finish the studies that I'm doing or to be the boss that I'm called to be, the teacher, or maybe it's in a church environment to be a pastor and a leader. And you know what? All of these responsibilities are fantastic and they are expressions of who God is alive within us. But I've got to tell you this morning that none of those roles or responsibilities are the most important in your life. The number one role and responsibility that we have been given in this life or given the opportunity to have is to be a son and a daughter of the living God. Let me tell you why that's so significant. Because the reality is in every role that I can ever be employed in, I can also be replaced in. These guys are excellent musicians, but they might need to be replaced at some time. I tell you what, they were almost replaced this morning. Remember, that's code for I love you, musicians. <laughs> there is no employment or service role that you can ever be in that you can't be replaced in. That's the reality of the life that we live. And let me talk about what about my most cherished roles in this life, which is to be a husband and to be a father. You know, the reality is that tragedy can come at any second and actually remove me or take those roles away from me. Don't want to dwell on that, but this is the reality of the life that we live. There is no role or responsibility that I can have in this lifetime that is strong enough to hold me for all of eternity except for one, and that's being a son of God. Because being a son of God is not a role that I fulfil for this lifetime. It's a role that I fulfil for all of eternity. So friends, I'm not going to live like I'm a father or a husband or a pastor or a leader. I'm going to live like I'm a son. Now, obviously, living like a son puts me in the best position to be a husband and a father and a pastor and a leader and whatever else I do. Because that means I'm not living according to something that I'll only experience in this lifetime. I'm living according to something that defines my, my eternity. Friends, before you or anything else, regardless of the age or stage that you are in life, let me tell you this morning, you are a son and a daughter of God. Let's not be people that live according to our current location. Let's be people that live according to our eternal destination. Let's not be people that allow our lives to be defined by the experience that we're having today, which might look like we're way behind on the scoreboard. Let's live like people who know that there's a comeback coming. And when the final siren goes, we reign victorious with Christ. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for the love and the grace that You've poured out upon us. John chapter 1, verse 12, where You said these words, because of all who believe in You, all who receive You, You have given us the right to be children of God. We actually have no right to be anything else on this earth except through the work of Jesus Christ We've been given the right to be children of God. 
And Lord, from that position today, we stand and we look to our future. And God, we ask that You would cause us to be people who don't align with the current experience that we're having, but rather we are people that define the way we live according to the destination that You've called us to. And even as we're praying right now, I know across this room today that there are people that right now are carrying a heavy weight and a heavy burden in different parts of their life. Lord, may the revelation of the depth that You went to to carry those burdens for us come alive in our heart today. In all those times when we feel like that this just isn't fair, that we would be reminded of how deep into unfair You really went. And God, please remind us today that You didn't just go deep and stay deep, but You rose to a wonderful victory. And You did so that You could take each one of us on that victory with You. Holy Spirit, I pray that today You would give us a fresh revelation of what it means to be a people that live by faith. That we would be confident enough to align our behaviour and our lifestyle to what the eternal destination that we know is not the middle that we don't know. And friends, just as you're there with your eyes closed this morning, let me just quickly call out a few groups today. Just before we close, there's some people here this morning and if you were truly honest, you would say that right now your joy is more connected to your current location rather than your eternal destination and your current location is one that is not stirring great joy within your heart. For some of you, your generosity is completely dried up and you've connected that as a normal response to your feeling of lack. But friends, our response isn't called to be based on the life that we're living. Our response is called to be based on the destination to which we're heading to. And for some of you this morning, your worship, your expression of God praise has just retracted somewhat because of an experience that you're currently facing. To those three groups of people today, there is no judgment from this platform. There is no judgment from your neighbour. We all share the same human experience and we stand with you today. And I pray for you this morning that the Spirit of God would convict your heart. Now that sounds like might be a negative word, but let me tell you this. Let let me use another word. I pray the Holy Spirit would convince your heart. Because that's what conviction is. Condemnation means the house has to be burnt down, broken down, demolished. There is nothing that can be done. Conviction means, hey, we can change this. So I pray today that you would be convinced in your heart that God has the very best for you in your joy, in your worship and in your generosity. And that as you walk out of these doors today, Holy Spirit, I pray that as every person walks out of these doors today, they would do so walking out, not based on the current experience or the current location, but Father, that there would be a renewed joy based on the eternal destination, a renewed generosity based on the eternal destination, a renewed worship based on the eternal destination. And we thank You that all of this is only possible through the gift of Your Son, Jesus Christ. We honour Him today. We uphold Him today. We thank You for Him today. In Jesus' Name, Amen. God bless you.
Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.